Welcome to the UM's Connected Podcast, a resource offering spiritual formation in the Wesleyan tradition through a metaverse community. I'm your host, Steve Harper. Well, we're in an opening three-part series in this podcast uh, program of UM's Connected. We started by looking at the Wesleyan term connection that John Wesley often used to describe the Methodist movement. He understood the connection as the means through which we belong. We belong in community. We belong in fellowship with one another. So the first part of this series was a multi-episode look at the word connected and how that word brings us into a Wesleyan sense of belonging. Now we're in the midst of the second phase of this extended series, pointing out that when we belong, we belong to a community that has an identity. Or, to say it another way, when you belong in the Wesleyan tradition, you believe. And it's not just an intellectual assent to doctrines and dogmas. It's a life-giving participation in them where when we say, I believe, we're talking about what Wesley called a religion of the heart. Now, in this section uh, of the three-part episode, we are looking at our beliefs through the Book of Discipline of the United Methodist Church. I have already pointed out in a previous Facebook post that you can scroll back to if you need to reference it, that you can get a free copy of the United Methodist Book of Discipline. And there's a link in that uh, post uh, for how to do that. I never know if you're following along in this series one by one, or maybe you've just uh, come upon it recently. I would want you to know again today that you can get a free copy of the United Methodist Book of Discipline. And I would urge you to do that because uh, you're going to get so much more out of this, uh, this second phase uh, on the uh, belief segment of our heritage. Uh, we've looked at our doctrinal heritage as Wesleyans, then we looked at our standards, and then we looked last week at how we put our faith into practice uh, through the general rules of the United Societies. And that brings us to paragraph 105 in the Book of Discipline. If you have your copy in front of you, you can scroll to page 80 or to paragraph 105, and you'll find a section there called Our Theological Task. Now, that's the the contemporary United Methodist way of saying uh, that when we believe, uh, we are commissioned. Uh, We're given a task. Uh, Theology is not simply something we use to gather ourselves together. Theology is not simply something that we use to uh, tell uh, ourselves who we are. Uh, We have a task for theology in the Wesleyan tradition, is living faith. Now, we're going to spend an entire uh, five-part or four-part, I think it is, episode on living after we complete this uh, segment on believing because we want to say um, even more about that theological task. But when we're looking at the doctrinal section of the Book of Discipline, when we're answering the question today, what do you believe as 
United Methodist Christians in the Wesleyan tradition, we answer the question, as I've said repeatedly, by looking at the Book of Discipline. We don't look at individual statements. We don't look at rumors or innuendos. We certainly don't pay attention to falsehoods. We go to the Book of Discipline, and it's there we find our beliefs. But paragraph 105 takes us beyond believing itself and says we have a task. When we reflect theologically, this paragraph says, on God's gracious actions in our lives, we desire to be drawn into a deeper relationship with Christ, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. The theological task that we understand as United Methodists, as Christians in the Wesleyan tradition, is to test our beliefs, to renew our beliefs, to elaborate upon those core statements, and then to apply them, to apply our doctrinal perspectives in carrying out our calling to spread scriptural holiness across the land. That's what paragraph 105 says. And that calls upon us not only to understand who we are, but as paragraph 105 introduction says, we're called to identify the needs of individuals and societies and and apply our theology uh, to those needs. It's uh, what Wesley called faith working by love, you see, faith at work. Uh, and so that's what the theological task is in its broad strokes. But if you look at paragraph 105 of the Book of Discipline, you'll see that it's broken down into two sections. The first is the nature of our theological task, and then the guidelines that help us realize that nature and uh, make it real in the world. So we're going to divide this episode into those two parts, once again rooted in paragraph 105, to see what it means for us to have a theological task, uh, not only as an emerging United Methodist Church, but as the UM's connected movement uh, that's uh, seeking to resource that emergence uh, through, our, through um, substantive and spirited spiritual formation in the Wesleyan tradition. So we begin with the nature of our theological task. The Book of Discipline outlines four dimensions of that nature. It says, first of all, our theological task is both critical and constructive. It's critical in that we test the various expressions of faith by asking, are they true? Are they appropriate? Clear? Cogent? Credible? Are they based on love? Do they provide the church and its members with a witness that is faithful to the gospel as reflected in our living heritage? Those are important questions. And that's why I hope you have a copy of the Book of Discipline at hand so that even after this episode's over, you can go back and you can take each one of those questions and ponder them. That's what it means to be critical. It doesn't mean to be negative. It doesn't mean to be censorious. It doesn't mean to deny our affirmations of faith. It simply means to drill into them, to explore them, to walk around, 
when you go back into paragraph 104, where we actually spelled out the Articles of Religion of the Methodist Church and the Evangelical United Brethren's Confession of Faith, you see those, those, uh, those cogent, rock-bottom statements. But they, they are like doors into a much larger house. So what this paragraph is saying is that our theological task is to enter the house, to ask the questions, to explore what each of those statements is getting at or pointing to. That's, that's what it means to be critical. It doesn't mean to be negative. It, it, it means to be uh, exploratory, analytical, studious, engaged. Uh, there is no theology in the Wesleyan tradition that, that, that doesn't link to life. There's no such thing as dangling doctrine or detached dogma, see. That's what paragraph 105 says, that the nature of our theological task is to engage with it in a critical way, a studious way. The constructive way, says paragraph 105, is that every generation, see, every generation must appropriate the wisdom of the past and seek God in the midst of the present in order to fully understand what God is doing. That's why Charles Wesley, in his hymn, A Charge to Keep, has that phrase, to serve the present age. You see, the Wesleys were rooted in Scripture. They were learned in their tradition, but they were living in the 18th century. And they never separated the past from the present. In fact, the past, in some ways, is prelude to the present. So that's what the constructive nature of theology is. It's what we sometimes mean when we use the phrase doing theology. What does it mean to do theology? Well, it means to take those, those uh, doctrines, it means to take those statements of faith in paragraph 104 and say, how would you say this in the 21st century? How would you live this in the 21st century? Because in the Wesleyan tradition, and other traditions too, but in the Wesleyan tradition, we understand that we're to be constructive theologians, and that means serving the present age, applying our theology to the time in which we live. The second dimension of the nature of our theological task is that it's both individual and communal. Nothing really new here, nothing that we haven't already said so far, but paragraph 105 is where it gets written down, so to speak. It's an it's a, a understanding that theology impacts us individually. Uh, theology is not a one-size-fits-all experience. Um, just as we have fingerprints, we have soul prints. We have theological imprints that uh, those doctrines come at us as individuals and uh, they apply to our lives so that we could say, as Wesley did, for example, I felt my heart strangely warmed. What does that mean? Well, paragraph 105 says it means that to be theological is to become a participant, is to become a participant in the mission of the church. Um, we don't, go to church as much as we are the church. 
there's a, a hymn. It was contemporary <laughs> uh, when I first heard it. Now it's been around for a while. It's it's got the lyrics: "I am the church, you are the church, we are the church." Together, you see, here's that flow from from individual to communal. Uh, it starts with with you and me spending time reflecting on these great statements of faith. That's, again, why I hope you have a copy of the Book of Discipline. You can, you can just open it to paragraph 104 and you can spend rich amounts of time looking at the things we have said uh, for over 200 years that we believe, as the people call Methodist. That individual engagement. Then it's also communal through conversations. This is one of the things I discovered when I when I studied the diary of John Wesley, which was sort of the underlying document that gave rise to his journal. But in the in the diary you see that that often what Wesley was reading and meditating upon individually in the morning, then in the afternoon he was having conversations with people about those things. It's an interesting spiritual formation dynamic. Our meditation becomes the meat of our conversation, see? And that's exactly what paragraph 105 says. Uh, conversations that open us to the experiences, insights, and traditions of others. See? Theology uh, shapes who I am, but it doesn't close me off from how it has shaped the lives of other people. That's one of the reasons why in the means of grace in the Wesleyan tradition, Christian conferencing is one of the instituted means. The Wesleys saw that practice in the life of Jesus himself, who though being in the form of God, as Paul says in the great Kenosis passage, became flesh and dwelt among us full of grace and truth, John 1.14. And in that incarnation, he gathered around himself a community of disciples, apostles, and friends with whom he could have rich conversations. I, when I think about uh, where I would like to uh, live if I could live in another time, I've always said that with very little hesitation, I'd like to live as one of the disciples who followed Jesus uh, so that I could sit down with him around the campfire or over that uh, that meal of of fish uh, after a good day's catch, and just have a conversation with him. See, that's what that that's what theology is supposed to do for us. It's supposed to move us outside of ourselves into uh, fruitful relationships with other people. Beware of closed system theology. Beware of theology that. Uh, draws you into it and says, you've got everything you need right here. Don't look anywhere else. Don't ask anywhere else. Uh, don't sail off the map because there be dragons. Well, see, Wesley would say just the opposite. Uh, explore. Uh, in my father's house are many mansions, to use that metaphor. There are many rooms of belief and practice to explore. That's why Wesley's theology is eclectic, drawing on many of the Christian traditions. So, that's the second dimension of the nature. The third dimension is that it's contextual and incarnational. Contextual simply means you just ask yourself, what does that mean here? This place, this time, this people. Eugene Peterson had a question he called the pastor's question 
in which he said he always asked, Who are these people, and how can I be with them so that they can become what God wants to make of them by grace? See, Who are these people? How can I be with them so that they can become what God wants to make of them by grace? That's the contextual application of theology. Incarnational simply means that we want the word, the belief, the doctrine to become flesh in the lives of other people. And that's what Jesus said he came to give was not theological propositions and orthodox statements, but abundant living. And then that leads to the fourth, which kind of sums up the others. Our theological task is essentially practical. Wesley believed in practical divinity. Now, as an Anglican, he had that in the Anglican trilateral of scripture, tradition, and reason because the Anglican tradition understood a reasoned faith as one that included experience. But Wesley emphasized that in his day um, because he believed that too much of the Christian tradition had fallen prey to dead orthodoxy. It wasn't living faith. And so Wesleyan theologians of his day and after him have added experience uh, not saying that it wasn't already there, but just being sure that we don't miss it as we understand what it means uh, to live out our theological task. And that leads directly to the second section of paragraph 105, the theological guidelines, the sources and criteria for doing theology. There's a big word for it. It's called hermeneutics. That is, what do we use to interpret these statements. You go back to paragraph 104 and you've got all these articles of religions and confessions of faith um, uh, going above 30. Uh, what, what do you do with these? See, how, how do you interpret them? Well, section 2 of paragraph 105 says we do it through the guidelines which we have come to call the Wesleyan quadrilateral. Scripture, which is primary. Revealing God's word to us, says this paragraph, as far as is necessary for salvation. Our theological task is rooted in scripture. Tradition, how Christians since the biblical era have interpreted and borne witness and lived their faith. And then the third element of experience that is talked about in this paragraph is where all of this, as we said before, begins very personally, see. How does scripture and tradition make me who I am? And then, in this paragraph, the fourth dimension of reason means we bring to our experience, see. We bring to it what we'd call an interdisciplinary, interrelational feeding of our faith through the insights of the sciences, through the insights of uh, through the insights of politics, through the insights of society, sociology, psychology, we 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 call into the formation of our faith the wisdom and knowledge of the ages. We're we're not individual isolated automatons who 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 uh, form our faith uh, and and then close our eyes to everything else around us. Theology is evolving because life is evolving. The 21st century is not the 18th century. We have learned things about 
life that we didn't used to know. Good theology always incorporates new truth. Now hear the word truth. It incorporates new truth. We know things about ourselves as human beings. We know things about the cosmos. We know things about economics. We know things about uh, law and order. We know things about how societies thrive in our day that people didn't used to know in theirs. A good theology is always bringing those things together. That's where reason, reasonable faith, reasoned faith plays its role. And there's a long section. In fact, there's five single-spaced pages in this book of discipline that talks about each of those things. Too much for us to go into, but we, we must absolutely emphasize them as strongly as we can because the theological task, those four dimensions that we looked, about, looked at just a moment ago, you, you've got to bring to those tasks certain guidelines, certain criteria, certain interpretive tools in order to know how to fulfill that task. And our answer as Wesleyan Christians is scripture, tradition, experience, and reason. That's how we engage those four dimensions of the theological task. Now, it's clear that when we take theology that seriously, and I don't mean somberly or soberly because one of the emphases of the Wesleyan tradition is that holiness and happiness go together. Wesley was a eudaimonist, to use that Greek word. He, he believed that joy was one of the marks of uh, the experience of faith. So when I say seriously, I don't mean somberly, but I mean when, when we really explore our faith to the depths that this section of the theological task is talking about, uh, we're going to be enriched by what we find, but we're also going to face challenges by individuals, groups, even by the society that does not live by these beliefs and does not practice uh, the things that we believe are important to live by. So uh, next week, we move into the theological challenges, not just that we have a theological task, but the book of discipline is realistic. It says if you really set out to live like this, you're going to have opposition. Next week, we're going to look at that in more detail. Well, that's our program for today. As always, there's just so much. Uh, again, I hope you've got a copy of the book of discipline so that you can turn off what you've been listening to and just read this for yourself and dwell on it, live in it until that, that fire of God's revelation uh, ignites your own heart of devotion. Tell others about this podcast series. And if you would like to be in touch with me about anything, you can email me at umsconnected at flumc.org.